session with Dr. Farid Hulaku. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Dalakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 3104410555. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Mulakuri. Yes, hi. Thanks for calling. Sure. Um, I uh, call, uh, my dad called your father mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, to talk about like some issues with regards to me, and he recommended that I myself call you uh, and talk to you about them. So okay, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> well, I'm glad you called. Great. So let me know what's going on. Sure. So let me give you um, some background. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm 19 years old, and uh, I'm an only child, and currently I go to UC Davis, mm-hmm. and I'm actually from Davis, so... One of the main reasons I chose the school was just to stay at home to save money. And uh, I've always been, like, kind of an intellectual person. Like, uh, for now at least, I'm in my second year. My goal is medical school. And thus far, like, I've been on, like, the correct path towards I've been getting the grades and uh, being participating in the extracurriculars and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been very studious and I feel like, uh, now I'm coming to an age, uh, where like, I really want to be like confident in myself and I want to like be able to approach the opposite sex and, uh, you know, hopefully like get a girlfriend, but I don't know, for whatever reason, it just seems really hard for me and. I feel like I have a lot of like insecurities and maybe um, I I have a, like a huge fear of rejection and like I don't know what to really do about it. So mm-hmm. I was wondering what you uh, if you had any advice. Okay, sure. So it seems like you feel uh, as far as your academic life, you've been on the right path, but socially and especially when it comes to dating, maybe not so much. You haven't. Uh, gotten what you want or put the time maybe even into that part of your life and now you want to have more there but you're afraid to get even started with the process exactly and then just two quick other things regarding my background i came to the united states uh when i was seven years old so my whole family immigrated when i was seven and also during most of uh middle school and high school Mm -hmm. i was uh like fairly overweight Mm -hmm. uh but thankfully like right before college started like the summer before i like i had like an epiphany and i decided to like start like working out and like eating healthy and i lost like 30 to 40 pounds great and like i'm fairly fit at this moment and like that definitely like helped boost my self-esteem and confidence Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's just 
additional information sure. to you than them. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, and that's good that you're able to help yourself with that. Um, and the thing sometimes with insecurities is they definitely can be affected by the reality, but sometimes it's not always about the reality that this uh, that happens. For example, someone could be insecure about their looks and they think if they change something, they'll feel better. And sometimes it does a little bit, sometimes it doesn't. So it depends on how it affected you. Now, one thing you're going to have to be ready for is that you're saying you have a fear of rejection and that fear is not going to go away. What you're going to have to actually recognize is that you don't have to be so afraid of it or you are going to be afraid, but you're going to go forward anyway. And this is true for any of us with what we're dealing with. Very often, the things that are good for us, we're also afraid of or afraid of some aspect of it. And because of that, we avoid it or we think we should avoid it or we think we have yeah. to wait till the fear goes away. But one thing I want you to realize is the fear is never going to be completely gone. It's going to be there. The only thing that will happen is your relationship with the fear will change. One, when you recognize even if I'm afraid, I'm going to go forward anyway. And two, when you face the fear, you'll see it's not as scary as you think or you'll be able to deal with it better than you currently think you can. So I want you to keep those two things in mind as we go forward and they might come up again. Um, but so as far as dating goes, what has been your experience so far? Um, I've, uh, I've basically like no experiences. Like I've had like crushes here and there, but mm -hmm. I've never pursued them. And like, uh, I've had like, like female friends, um, like in my friend circle and I still do, but I don't know. I, I've just never, I guess, been able to get over that, like beyond friends with anyone like I've and uh like I don't know so yeah I guess that's been my mm -hmm. only experience okay so you've never actually shared your feelings or asked a girl out directly pretty much yeah never okay and it's you're saying it's because you think uh they're gonna say no it's it's because for I guess like the longest time and, and I guess a little bit still now every time I saw a girl that like I like was attracted to the first thing that came into my mind was like oh i'm not good enough for her or something mm -hmm. like that and mm -hmm. that, that just discouraged me from like doing anything about it yeah so th right that idea came to mind i'm not good enough and so you're already concluding that they don't like you without even asking them if they like you basically yeah mm -hmm. now something that you might find puzzling is that you thinking you're not good enough for these girls is actually something you get something out of because uh, there's a safety you get in not having to actually try to see if they like you or not. So if you conclude they don't like me, even though it might hurt, it doesn't feel good. At the same time, it protects you from having to take any risk or having to go forward. So as much as I can understand the insecurity and I, I know it doesn't feel good and I'm not saying it's completely out of thin air that you don't feel it at all. But I want you to actually recognize there's something you get out of that insecurity, as weird as that might seem. And coming to terms with that can actually help you overcome it with time. Realizing that, you know what, as much as I tell myself this is the feeling that no girls like me or they're not going to like me or I'm not good enough for them, and it feels like really sad and you can feel like a victim of that insecurity, there's something I'm getting out of it. And it's up to me to change that because I have to make that decision to change this insecurity. And, and it can happen over time. 
so it, it can be puzzling for people to hear this because they think I hate this feeling or I hate that it doesn't let me date or I want to date. But also there's the other side of we don't realize sometimes how afraid we are to get what we want. So um, as much as you want a girlfriend or you want to date someone, there's probably a big party that's also very afraid of dating or afraid of what if the girl actually says, yes, now what do I do or what's going to happen? And there's something safer and something in your comfort zone about being alone that you actually like maybe more than you realize. And that's going to keep you from actually going out there and challenging that and actually facing those fears. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I've ne- I actually never thought of it in that way. And it makes a lot of sense why I, was, <laughs> why I would uh, um, like always go to the conclusion of like not even shooting my shot mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> because even though it does like it doesn't improve my situation and I guess it doesn't worsen my situation from what it is and that comfort zone I guess I just subconsciously like like it rather yeah. than like taking the risk exactly it's just like you know you're, you're doing great academically and so if you brought that same attitude to your academics like you'd study and then say oh but there's no way I'm going to do well on this test so I'm not even going to go take the exam because I don't think I'm going to do well and I'm afraid of getting a bad grade and that's not going to feel good. Or you already tell yourself you're going to get a bad grade, so you don't even go take the test. And yeah, it sucks and it doesn't feel good, but at the same time, you prevent yourself from facing that fear of, let's see what I get on this test. So fortunately, in your academics, you're able to face what some people could have a fear or anxiety about, about taking tests and about going through the process. But in this aspect of your life, which also it seems like never was really developed or worked on from, from a young age, uh, you've kind of gone into this comfort zone and it's hard to break it, but I'm I'm glad you're seeing that and I want you to really recognize there's something you get out of it. It's not just you're the victim of something that's happening. And the good news is uh, the only reason you're not good enough for these other girls is that you think you're not good enough. But you yourself, it's not that something's missing in you. It, it, you see this a lot in people, they're dating someone and they think, oh, you know what, I, you know, the person who's already shown they're attracted to the other person, but because something within themselves and insecurity, or again, maybe they want to sabotage it for some reason in their own comfort, they tell themselves, I'm not good enough for this person, and they sabotage it, and the other person never thought they were not good enough until they started showing that they're not good enough, you know? So we, we can present ourselves with a certain value, or the way we value ourselves no one could value us more than we value ourselves. So the good news here is that nothing is really missing in you. The bad news is, is that you think maybe something is, and that's going to be take some time for you to change, or will it'll require for you to challenge yourself and get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Right, yeah. I, <laughs> when my dad was like asked, telling me, like, oh, like, you should ask, I was like, I think ultimately, like, the end decision is, like, up to me. Like, mm-hmm. just like with how one day I decided to, like, you know, like, I wanted to, like, lose the weight. Mm-hmm. There needs to, like, so, uh, I, and I need to work on this, like, actively. Something inside me needs to, like, completely gain confidence in myself and kind of embrace my uh, everything about me. Mm-hmm. and. Give me the courage to, uh, if I see a girl that I like, to go introduce myself and see where it goes. And I feel like the more I do it, the more experiences I'll get and the easier it will become. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel 
risky and it's going to feel out of your comfort zone. And, and look, even someone who's been dating for a while or who has had relationships, they're still going to feel some anxiety or maybe if you want to call it fear when they go up to someone. So again, it's this idea that we usually use fear or anxiety as an indication that we should avoid something. But very often it just means that something is a little bit challenging or uncomfortable, but we need to go forward anyway. So um, even people, you know, because sometimes someone who doesn't have a lot of experience dating, we they do a lot of things. They think everyone else gets it. Everyone else, it's so easy for them. No one else gets rejected. They, they have these fallacies that they have in their mind about how easy it is for everyone else and how they're the only one who's having these challenges, that it's only them that can't figure it out. And the truth is, everyone gets nervous about these things. Everyone gets uncomfortable. So it's okay to feel those things, and you're going to feel them even after you do it for a while. It might become less, which is good, but you're always going to have some level of discomfort with this. And if you don't mind, I want to talk to you a little bit more about what exactly you feel um, about when it comes to approaching someone, what your insecurities still are, to see if we can get a little bit deeper about this. And we're at a commercial break. So just hang on the line and let's talk a bit more about your experience and you know what taking those next steps will look like for you and what you can do, okay? Great, thank okay, you. Okay, great. All right, I'm going to put you on hold. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Before the break, we were with the caller. Let's go back to him now. Caller, are you still there? Hello. Yes, hello. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're, we were talking about what you were going through. Um, you mentioned that you want to start dating, but there's some fears that you have about uh, getting getting yourself into the game, so to speak. And so what are the? let's look at those fears a little bit more closely. What do you think you are afraid of? Let me think, like, like if I see an attractive girl mm -hmm. uh, in class or something, uh, I, like, go, like, oh, wow, like, you know, she's really pretty. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, like, I guess my second thought is, like, what am I going to do about it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, usually it's, like, rather than, like, oh, you know, there's an open seat next to her. I'll go sit next to her and introduce myself. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'll just sit like two or three rows back and observe from a distance. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> and and you, uh, maybe maybe the key word would be a safe distance, right? You're kind of going, the, it's a safe way of just being close, but not too close. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like, I, I guess like later on the day, if like, I actually, I really did like her, you know, I would like think about her. And mm -hmm. then like the next, the next day when I go back to class again, I probably wouldn't do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not that uncommon. Now, one thing, you know, you mentioned being an only child and it's not to generalize that this is necessarily the case, but I've observed lots of times only children can get caught into daydreaming more than I think other kids who had other children in the home. So it could become very easy. That's also, it's almost like a drug or a comfort that in your daydream, you could think about asking her out and it's so nice and you guys share beautiful things together and whatever else, maybe even it could have sexual fantasy, whatever comes with it. And it stays very safe, but you keep it in the daydream and you don't actually try to 
created in reality. And no, that hits it in the nail. Yeah. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's something I've observed just working with lots of different people that a lot of times the only child can be more likely to go into that daydream world. And unfortunately, it seems like it can feel in the moment like, oh, well, it's like almost like I'm dating someone. It could feel that momentarily like a drug, give you that feeling. But then what that does is it takes you away from the reality that you don't have what you actually want and you don't create it. And again, in your daydream, it's perfectly safe. Nothing can go wrong. You have complete control over everything. And we like to stay there. So I want you to also be aware of this, that this the daydreaming could actually get in the way of you facing it in reality. Uh, a little bit of daydreaming can be actually good and can spark creativity. But sometimes when it comes to something we have anxiety about, it actually can reinforce the anxiety by making it that we only want to deal with it in our daydream world and not actually face it in reality. So it's interesting you're saying that, that you find yourself thinking about that person. And what we're going to have to try to do is make those dreams into reality, which means that sometimes it's not going to go as it goes in your dreams. You, you know, you have to be ready to face rejection and for things not to go well. But the reward is that you'll actually get to have the thing that you really want in real life, the actual reality of it. Um, so that's, you know, I'm glad you explained that. So I want you to think about that aspect of it. Um, and another thing, you know, we mentioned in the last segment, I've touched upon it a little bit, is you have to be ready for rejection. So that thing that you're afraid of. And when we're afraid of rejection, a big part of that is that we're afraid that the rejection will confirm something we might already think about ourselves. So uh, you mentioned the feeling of confidence or already thinking that you're not good enough. But the, the thing that can make it sting even more, rejection doesn't feel good to anyone. But it stings even deeper if we already might have some insecurity or some fears about ourselves, and we feel like this person is confirming that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is going to be a challenge. And it's not that you have to work on the insecurities and get over them and then start going up to girls because it's not one or the other. You kind of can do them together. But there is something for you to look at of what makes you think you're less than the girl or less than other guys. Do you find yourself comparing yourself to other guys? Um, no, I actually... I, I that it's um, I don't know like I guess I do but mm-hmm. it's like like I'll be honest <laughs> I, I like in general think really like highly of myself uh-huh. but at the same time like I get I just get really nervous when like it just comes to the opposite gender but like I can definitely like no I don't think I do at all like I hold my own and like mm-hmm. when I compare myself to other guys it's just um, when it just comes to the opposite sex, I freeze up. So, you know? yeah, so almost in a way, you're, do you think you're better than the other guys? Not, I, I guess, yeah, like, mm-hmm. like uh, I guess, um, let's say I like a girl, right? Mm-hmm. And I see, and I liked her for a little bit, and then I see that she has gotten a boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. I do, like, look at the boyfriend and, like, 99% of the time, probably, I go, I'm better than this guy. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> what, are you, what, what is the girl doing with her life? Well, like, in the end, like, I didn't even, he, he, had, he at least had the guts to go up to her and, like, talk to her while I didn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the reason I was asking, I'm glad, you know, and you're being very open, which is good, because you're going to need to do that to 
understand yourself better and to overcome what you're trying to overcome. But the reason why I asked you is I wondered if you do that because sometimes people will do this too. We'll, you know, when it comes to asking her out, you'll feel like you're not good enough. But then when you see she is with someone else, kind of, again, as an escape, it's almost like, actually, I'm better than this guy. Like, she's almost stupid to want him over me. Or this guy is nothing compared to me. Or we put ourselves above the other person as a way of kind of feeling good in the moment. But if it came back yeah, to it, yeah. if she broke up with him, or my guess is if she said, you know what, uh, maybe I would want you over him, you would probably get very anxious and uncomfortable. But again, in your mind, in kind of a daydream world, you can escape to this place of, I'm better than that guy. Come on. She's she's an idiot. And even I've seen sometimes, especially men, they start to develop an anger towards women because they think, why do they like these guys and not me? Why don't they see how great I am? And this can actually even turn into an anger towards women for being, you know, we can come up with lots of reasons. We think, oh, they're being shallow or they're being this or they're being that. When really you're the one that's afraid to take the step to see even if they're going to like you or not, which is much scarier than being in this world of either imagining you with her or thinking I'm better than that guy. And the truth is you're not better than the guy, but you're also not worse than the guy. You're different and you're unique and you're yourself, but there isn't. Uh, a need to put yourself above or below anyone. And just like the girl, she's not better than you or worse than you. Now, she might not be attracted to you or interested in you, just like you might not be attracted or interested in someone else, but it doesn't make people better or worse. But that's a lot of times the feeling people get is that this is telling me if I'm better than someone or worse, or if someone rejects you somehow, they have power over you or they're um, displaying that they're superior to you in some way, where really it's really a matter of preference and attraction, which is not about better or worse. But um, it seems like you can get into this mental space of putting yourself above the guys in a way too. But I don't know if, if there is an insecurity where you feel like you are less than them, because I think you might have both. And a lot of times people with insecurities, they'll go to both places. Either they're worse than everyone or better than everyone, when really the truth is you're, you're neither. People are essentially equal and they have the same value but that's somewhere you maybe will go. Um, okay, so that's another aspect of it that you want to be aware of. And you have to be ready that if you try to get out there, be ready to get hurt sometimes. There is going to be risk in approaching other people, and there's risks in dating and being in relationships. And that's another thing that you've protected yourself from. So this is another safety that you've created that although you say you want it, you're maybe protecting yourself from that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How how do you feel you've been socially in your life as far as friends, um, you know, in school, high school, in general? How have you felt about that part of your life? Uh, I definitely think that, especially, like, I would say, uh, like, I came in uh, second grade mm -hmm. to the United States. So, and between, like, second grade all the way up to, um, I think, uh sixth grade i because like like you know my, our family's life was pretty unstable yeah. i ch basically changed schools every year mm. because my dad was like jumping between jobs mm -hmm. um so like because of that like it's like i would you know make like one or two friends but then the next year i would lose them and then i would be like put in a new situation mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. uh and then but after around seventh grade when like i was i stayed in one place I would say um, I, I'm definitely, like, a really shy guy, like, initially. 
and like very like formal like like if someone talks to me like i'll be like very formal like and like i won't like sh show them like my true self but then once i like you know talk to them for a little bit get to know them they get to know me then i will like slowly open up and like reveal like my like personality and stuff uh and like with the close group of friends that i have like we all like really enjoy each other's company and like we all we uh we like crack jokes we like have intellectual conversations we talk about music because um yeah mm -hmm. it's like all, it's it's very good between just like me and like uh my guy friends and like there have been some girls along the way but uh not too many okay and like uh yeah okay well it's but good that you I can have that, that like, yeah it's good that you have that the social aspect now you said maybe you think you're shy and that that might be the case but that you could make those friends uh and you mentioned the word intellectual and you mentioned that to start off your our conversation too which is good but also we want to make sure you're developing your social and emotional side too which is what you're kind of getting at and sometimes people who've been very successful academically and in their intellectual life, they can prefer to focus on that, which is not bad to have that. But we want to make sure we have the other side too, to make sure we're not just a good student and a good, you know, even doctor eventually, but we're a good human being that has all the aspects of life. So we want to make sure you're investing time and energy and effort and even disappointments and the ups and downs in the, the emotional and the dating and other sides of your life too. That's something that you know, another part of your comfort zone is maybe being in that intellectual, logical space and not getting into the emotional space. And that's something else I would encourage you to do. Yeah, definitely. I will yeah. do that. So, you know, good luck. Be ready. It's going to be scary. It's going to be challenging. I hope you have, if you have friends, you know, it's good to have their support. Talk to them. You're, you know, another thing is people, sometimes they start dating and you might think you don't know what you're doing and that's okay. Like I said, most people are more lost than we think they are, but even still, you're going to make some mistakes or do some things right and wrong, and that's okay. It's going to be part of the process. Trying something new is always going to be a challenge, and we have to be ready that we're not going to get it right You know, from the beginning. There's going to be a lot mm -hmm. to learn. So just be ready for that. And you're 19, so you're not starting so late. It's not really. Some people start earlier, but it's not really late. And it seems like you think about things in a way that I think will help you, that you explore things, you're open to looking at it in different ways. But I would definitely get support from your friends, too, in this process and just be ready to take some risks. It's going to be scary. It's never going to be easy, especially the first time. The good news is even once you get rejected more and more, you'll see it's not that big of a deal. And you can get rejected hundreds of times, and you probably honestly will. You have to be ready for that. That's part of the process of dating and, and getting to know people. Is you have a lot of rejections you can get broken up with. It's all uh, the risks we pay to get that benefit and reward of having a partner or being with someone. And that's the only way we can get it is to be willing to pay that price and to, to face those risks. Uh, Dr. Lockwood, yes. I really appreciate uh, you talking to me about my this. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you calling in. I hope it was helpful and, and good luck. And then if you want in a few months, call back, ch check in, and let us know how you're doing, okay? Okay, I will. All Thank right. you so much. Great talking. Have Take care. Bye-bye. All right, let's bring on a new caller quickly before the break. Let me see. Um, hello, Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Yes, I am. Um, I'm sorry, I'm driving. Let me just pull over. Okay. Um, oh, great. Okay, so I'm just going to start. Um, 
Well, the call is uh, regarding my son. Um, he is seven and a half, mm-hmm. and he's going to private school. He's having a hard time to find a friend. Mm-hmm. And, um, so what happened, uh, he went to one private school when he was preschool, in the preschool, and then I, um, we decided to try public school, so for kindergarten, public school, and he didn't like it. So uh, we put him to new private school, and um, the first grade, he's second at this time, but his first grade, um, he was having a really difficult time to find a friend. I talked to the counselor at school, and they tried, and or maybe they didn't sign up, I don't know. Uh, so he was able to find one friend, and, and that's it. So now that he is the second grade, uh, sometimes he plays with the, with the, the same guy, um, and uh, but most of the time he plays with first graders. Okay. And I tell him, I ask him several times why you're playing with the first graders. Uh, he says that uh, because nobody likes me in my hmm. school, and my classmates don't like me. And um, a few days ago, um, uh, kids have a letter club after school, and um, his best friend, which is the same guy who was friend in first grade, uh, asked him, hey, uh, come and play, come be part of our, uh, you know, club. And he said, yes, okay, sure. And he went, and uh, I don't know what happened. The rest of the crew told this friend that, oh, if uh, this person, I'm trying to not mention his name, Mm -hmm. If this person comes to our club, you're uh, uh, going to leave your club and you're going to be by yourself. So ask him to leave. So my son, he's seven years old, he insisted to stay. And uh, his friend told him, hey, if you stay, I'm not going to be your friend. Don't follow me. Don't come to our club. They don't like you. They don't want you to be here. Mm. So when he was telling me, I was like, I was so broken hearted. I yeah. didn't know what to do. Like, it mm-hmm. just... Like it was punching my heart. Mm. Um, yeah, so, that um, that sounds uh, difficult. Now, um, I don't mean to cut you off. It's just that we're just about at a commercial break. I wanted to just start with you, and then we'll talk after the break. But quickly, do you does he have any younger siblings or any siblings? Yes. So we had the same issue. Yes, my, I have a daughter, two and a half, uh-huh. and um, and any other kids, or that's it. That's it. That's so it. Okay. When my daughter was born, we had this problem. So, as a matter of fact, he's listening to our conversation. Your son is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he can. I don't know if he he, you know, it's okay to keep this conversation away from him too. Um, if he feels comfortable, he can. And you no, know, I, I explained to him that this guy is a counselor. He will help us to okay. to help you. I'll try my best. Well, listen, we're going to have to talk after the break now because we're at a commercial break. But if he's okay listening, I'm glad you let me know. So I'll keep that in mind. And um, uh, we'll talk some more after the break, okay? All right, great. Thank you. All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Duak. We will be right back. Back before the break, we're with a caller. Let's go back to her now. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello? Hello, are you still there? I don't know if we lost the caller. Let me try again. Hello, Radio Hamra, are you still there? I think we might have lost her. We'll put her back on hold, maybe. 
Uh, we can bring her on back on. Let's go to another caller. Hello, Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Can you? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Go ahead. All right, there we go. Cool. So, um, yeah, I'm basically just here because uh, my mom thinks I smoke too much weed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, she wants, you know, some clarity and <clears throat> some, I guess, like in reassurance that I'm going to turn out okay. She thinks I'm going to, like, ruin my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how old are you? 19. 19. I uh, go to college at Virginia Tech. Okay. In computer engineering. Nice. All in all, I'm like, I'm, everything's like okay. You know, I like, mm-hmm. I'm doing fine in school. I got a good social life. I have a girlfriend. Just okay. Smoke weed. Okay. Huh. to accept that. Yeah. Okay. And my guess is to her, um, any weed would be too much weed. Is it that kind of situation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, granted, I do, I, I am probably more of like a, more of a smoker than like most, but. Okay. How often do you smoke? Uh, I, I totally like four times a week, five times a week. Okay. Give or take. Give or take a little bit more, maybe. Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds. She's listening in too. <laughs> I know, so she's probably listening. So you might be aware. And in general, you ask someone that question, they're going to say less than it actually is. So my guess is it's every day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So it's every day, and you know the way I look at something like marijuana, I'm not going to ever promote someone to smoke but i also don't want to make it seem like it's the worst thing in the world and you know a lot of times i'll work with families and they're okay with drinking but not with marijuana and you know they're different there can be different bads but i wouldn't necessarily say marijuana is much worse than alcohol there's some ways that alcohol can actually be worse for me what's more important than just if you smoke or not is how much and then related to that what function it plays in your life and if it interferes with your life in any way because a lot of people will drink, um, or sorry, or drink or smoke weed to deal with anxiety or to escape reality, or it makes them lazy or not, you know, as, as uh, focused as they can be. So I'm wondering for you, because I get that your mom doesn't want you to smoke, but I'm wondering mm-hmm. for you, do you ever feel like your smoking is a problem? Well, see, I, I completely agree with that. And I'm actually like on the other side of the spectrum. Okay. I do smoke and I'm at the top of my class. Uh, I'm fully in shape. I can actually, I when I do smoke, instead of making me lazy or, you know, trying to escape reality, mm-hmm. I, I kind of become more motivated. I, I do homework high, and I, I have, like, it's it's not, like, simple work. You know, it's, like, complicated college work. I can do that, you know, after smoking. I can go to the gym after smoking, and I do do that. I, I use it to kind of just motivate me okay. because it just it makes everything that I do just, like, a little bit more fun. You know, it gives me, like, it gives me kind of, like, not, not a reason to, but it just makes it, like, a little bit more fun inside so yeah, you know, like smoke here and there, and then I'm able to function in normal like life and still be successful and get everything that I need to done. Yeah. Do you? You said you do the homework high. Do you take the tests high? No, no. no. Okay. Well, so I mean, like, I, I go to class and I'll listen in, you know, while I'm high. But yeah, well, I mean, I'm not trying to recommend taking the tests high, but there could be an argument that if you're studying high, because there's things called state-dependent learning, that sometimes. You might actually remember the material better high, but don't do that. I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah, yeah, but they've done some kind of research on different feelings that people can have or different settings. Uh, but nonetheless, so you feel like actually marijuana helps you and makes it, life more fun, yeah, you said? It, it can help me, but I, I, it's, all, it's not like I'm relying on it, but like it can help me. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, when, not that when I do smoke, I become less motivated and more lazy. Mm-hmm. It's that I'm, I'm the same, if not more motivated, when I, when I do smoke. Okay. 
I mean, I'm not going to say that can't be true. It might be the case for you. But I'm wondering when you say making life more fun, do you feel like life would be boring if you didn't have it? Not boring necessarily, but I mean, yeah, I guess it would be a little boring. Okay. I'm like a teenager. I kind of, I enjoy doing like stuff like this. Stuff like this, like getting high? Yeah, just okay. like, you know, yeah. Okay. I guess. And, you know, uh, my concern would be there that if life feels boring without it, I'm not saying people drink, people do different things to add fun here and there, but if every day feels boring, if you don't have it, that part would concern me. Like if well, you, so I think her main deal is that she doesn't want me to basically. It's, I'd use it as a gateway drug, and when I'm like thirty, you know, start doing like heroin, mm -hmm. like crap like that. Yeah. But like, I think that's that's more on like the person. And I, I feel like I have enough self control. I'm I'm self driven enough, and motivated, and you know, prioritize the right things enough where that it won't it won't get to that point. And I want to try and prove to her that like, somebody can smoke weed like the amount that I do and still be still be motivated and self-driven the way I am to be successful. And it's not, it's not always, it won't always lead into, act as a gateway drug into something more, more serious. It depends on the person doing it. And if they have enough self-control and are strong enough to, you know, regulate it and provide themselves with limits. It, it does. Um, but, it, and I see what you're saying. It's kind of, you know, but I do hear a little bit of it. I know you're saying I want to prove to her something, but it almost makes it seem like you're on like some mission and, you know, I wonder if some of that is an excuse to do what you're doing because, you know, it sounds like you're trying to be Mahatma Gandhi over here, like trying to get, like, show her that you can smoke weed and be this incredible person to prove to her something. But I don't think you need to prove to her anything. You should live your life whatever you think is best and do what's yeah, right, yeah. but not try to prove to her something. That shouldn't be obviously your mission in life. Um, and as far as the gateway drug, it's a... I usually don't agree with the gateway drug analogy because I know people say, well, they did weed and then they smoke, they started doing cocaine and then this and that. But usually people start with the, the lesser drugs and they move up. But there is some research showing that people who smoke cigarettes, that the nicotine can, for example, prime the brain so that when they try cocaine, they actually react even more strongly to it. So there could be something to the way these things have an effect. And now at your age, my concern would be that a lot of marijuana can have effects on the brain. It's still, the research is still out, not totally conclusive, but there is some research showing that it's not that it's completely harmless. And I'm wondering about that because I know I deal with a lot of, uh, you know, teenagers, they come into my office with their parents and it's this constant battle. And like the mom will say, I sent him five articles showing him that weed is bad. And then the son will say, I sent her five articles back saying that it's not bad for you. So where do you stand? Like, what do you think the effect is on you? Well, I know that I, I, I agree where it's not like harmless. I get that it's got like, you know, it's like, it, it can have effect on your brain, mm -hmm. especially when it's like developing at my age. Mm -hmm. But I guess it's like the same thing with tobacco and alcohol. Like, so do those, but people still, I guess, abuse those and they're still considered legal. They're legal, but I mean, you're saying it has a negative effect. Now, I don't want you to stop because of your mom. I really don't. And obviously, I don't want you to stop because of me. I, I just want you to really be aware of what you're doing. And yeah, you, I'm sure you can be super successful and smoke every day. I'm not saying you can't. But if you're saying you're realizing something might affect your developing brain, 
you know, I would have concern about that for yourself long term. You might be super successful. You might be fine. You know, or, or sometimes I've heard people say, oh, well, they say smoking affects your memory. Smoking weed might affect your memory, but my memory's great as it is. Well, the truth is, and if it did affect your memory, it would be even better. So we're not saying your life is going to fall apart. I'm not going to give you that argument that you're going to become a druggie. Your life is going to be horrible. You'll never be successful. You'll Whatever it is that, you know, someone might try to say to like scare you straight. I just want to really look at there might be negative effects it has on you and you pay that price. Because I think this is the problem I sometimes have with parents when they create these battles with their kids. It almost seems like you stopping weed, you know, or smoking less weed even would be doing your mom a favor or it would be to make her happy. Whereas like I want to really look at how it's affecting your life positively or negatively for you. You know, it's all it all comes down to you at the end. It's not if, you know, your mom, yeah might have an idea about weed from Persian culture, from her own background. That means it's just like the worst thing in the world. And it means it's my kid's a druggie because it was illegal or is illegal depending on where you live, whereas drinking isn't. And you might not see it that way. So I don't want you to to reduce or stop because of her. Um, But I want you to think about it for yourself because even the way I see it, it's like you almost make it like I want to prove to her I can smoke even more and still do well. So it's almost like you're going to smoke more rather than less because of her. I wouldn't want that either, but I'd want it to be a good decision that you feel good about and you realize, okay, I'm, I can accept the, the costs and the benefits of what I'm doing. Exactly, yeah. No, that's, see, that's where I'm kind of at, where it's the point where I just want her to, like, kind of cope with it and accept that it's part of my lifestyle and it's, it's like, who I kind of am, basically. Like, all my friends are, all my, my friend group is based around, like, kind of people that smoke because we all enjoy doing it. It's not that, like, we rely on it, but it's just like a hobby we do, and it's something that like makes us happy. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not really to try and prove to her something; it's to try and just help her like accept it and like that it's, this is like who I kind of want to be. And I, I've, I've accepted the fact that like, yeah, it, it, it can take like a, a toll on my memory and stuff. But like, once again, it's kind of just like it's become part of my lifestyle, and I'm willing to take that risk. Okay. To still just you know be able to be able to smoke i guess okay yeah well that's i mean i want you to hear that last part it's that you know we're very good at and this is why i almost wish you know i get your and also i know your mom is listening you said right so i'm aware that you're also aware of like you don't want to give her too much ammunition because then we, we get off oh, the phone right. yeah. and then she's <laughs> no but i mean that like you know if we come to some conclusions then you're gonna make your mom's like see told you he said this or he said <laughs> that and i don't want to i don't want to create that kind of uh drama or get in the way in that way but in even hearing what you said it's kind of like you you know that we always have emotions that come into play when we're trying to make decisions. We think we're being completely rational, but emotions play a big part. And right now we know you want to smoke and it feels good to you at some level. You do seem almost addicted to it. You know that you feel like you need it every day. And I know you're going to tell me right now you could stop anytime you want or whatever, but there is this feeling from how you're talking about it that it seems like you have an addiction to it. I consider myself, you know, somewhat addicted. Okay. But once again, it, I've, I've, I've accepted it as a part of my lifestyle, so I'm not, like, scared to be addicted to it. Okay, but I get that, but that's something that someone says so that they don't have to face their addiction. You know, yeah, I mean, okay. I'm not saying, it. maybe it's true, but I'm saying I've heard every excuse in the book for someone to keep smoking, keep drinking, keep whatever. You know, they always have, like, some something that they can can tell themselves because we don't want to stop obviously right now your body and your brain doesn't want you to stop i get that and and if you were to reduce even it would be hard let alone stop and i'm not telling you you need to do either but i want you to recognize and catch yourself in these ways of like 
trying to justify it. Okay, you do, you know, even someone could argue the opposite. If that's what you do with your friends, that might be a bad thing that you guys kind of maybe need that to connect. Or if, like I said, for me that you need to have your days have marijuana for them to feel fun, that could be a sign that is there some kind of depression or something else going on that I would be concerned about? What else is going on for you that if you don't smoke it, and actually I'm wondering, when you don't smoke it, what do you feel like? Um, I mean, it, it really depends on what I'm doing. I, I don't I don't like to just smoke and kind of do nothing. I kind of, I like to, when I'm going to do something, if I can do it high, like, I might as well, because it'll just make it that much more fun. But when I'm when I'm not smoking, if I'm not really doing anything, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm fine when I'm just, like, sober and just chilling, doing nothing. Okay. But, I mean, you know... And even the way you said, like, when I'm high, because not, I don't think it necessarily has to be a gateway drug, but why not then make the high? Why not do cocaine if that's going to make it feel even better? Because, well, I guess it's like a different different type of high. Sure. Like, and, and, and I also know that, like, like I, I've given myself, like, limits to not really take it any further than marijuana because I feel like once I take it any, if I take it any to, like, a different type of drug, then it could start imposing, like, a much bigger risk. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the risk associated with marijuana, it, 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 there is a risk, but it, it's limited compared to other drugs. I would agree that definitely compared to cocaine, for example, that I just gave as an example, it is it is limited, the effect. But it can be, and especially on the developing brain, it can be. That's my also concern. You're 19. Um, even sometimes people who have a predisposition for something like schizophrenia, it can potentially lead to triggering it to some degree. So there's, it, it's not risk-free. And I think that's... The problem I sometimes have with the pro-marijuana crowd is they make it seem like there's no risk at all, and I don't agree with that. And I definitely don't agree with the other side that makes it seem like you smoke once and your brain and your life gets ruined, because it's not that either. Now, we're at a commercial break, and I do want to keep talking to you, because I think this is an important topic. Is your mom around, or is she listening, or where, where is she? Yeah, she's, she's like in the other room. Okay, so she's like in the other room. She's going to come talk to you probably for a few minutes during the commercial break. But I'm going to talk to you a bit after the commercial break, and maybe I'll have her come on too because I'm focusing on you because to me that's more important. I, I do think you and your mom, obviously, it plays a role. Are you living at home? Uh, well, I go to school about yeah. four hours, so I come back for the breaks. Okay, okay, so you're not there. Okay, um, but nonetheless, it seems like she saw a big influence or impact in your life and i don't want it to damage your relationship with her which inevitably it will do if you guys just keep fighting about this because you're never going to see eye to eye she's not going to ever be totally okay with it and you're not going to see it the way she does but let's talk some more after the break about this um and maybe even get her a little bit involved okay okay all right you're listening to in session with dr fatty jalak we will be right back back before the break we were with the caller let's go back to him now caller are you still there yeah okay did, did your mom talk to you during the break uh a little bit yeah <laughs> what did she have to say uh she was just like <laughs> like take it seriously i guess I, I felt like you were being serious i don't know she thought you weren't taking it yeah. seriously no no just like a reminder i guess Okay. I felt like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe she wanted me to be more serious too. Um, but I guess uh, I felt you were being pretty serious and letting me know what you're going through uh, and, and all that. So we were talking about what you are dealing with as far as the weed. What is it? What are the conversations you guys have? Is it that you guys fight about it? Does she? No, no. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really just like, she just like recommends me to like, she like asks me really to like slow it down or like stop it, I guess. And I'm like, 
and I just kind of keep saying like it's okay. I, I I know what I'm doing. Like I'm in control. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's never really like it's never really like fighting or like arguing, raising our voices. Okay, so it hasn't gone that bad. She's just a little concerned. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And do you have any brothers or sisters? Uh, no. Okay. So you're the only child. You get all of her, all of her love and all of her scrutiny, basically. Yeah. Okay. All right. So fortunately, it hasn't gotten that uh, combative from what you're saying. I've seen it get really heated with a lot of families, this issue. Um, so do you feel like she has any legitimate concern? She, her biggest concern is the fact that, because like, yeah, her biggest concern is the fact that it's a gateway drug and she thinks that when I'm like much older, I'm going to start doing much more serious like drugs and mm-hmm. I could risk ruining my life basically. Okay. But like the reason she hasn't, you know, like lost it yet is because she also can see that like I'm, I'm, on like a good track to being successful and I'm I'm making it happen but yeah. I also like do do this so I guess there's like a she's scared that that small she, that small like thing or I guess yeah that small thing could like risk it all and risk ruining everything okay yeah and I mean that was another thing I did want to mention is that for me it's very important to see how the person is functioning and it seems like you you're doing well academically and socially so you feel like things are pretty balanced and okay in your life. And that is very important. It doesn't mean um, that we don't want to look at your drug use at all because I know functioning, somebody's going to call them functioning alcoholics. So they'll be very successful in their work and do, they'll do okay and everything, but then they might get blackout drunk every so often or drink every single night and they still manage their life to a degree, but they're definitely paying a price. So it's very important to me that you're able to take care of yourself and take care of your responsibilities. You said top of your class and you're doing computer engineering which is not an easy major so um clearly you're doing a lot of things right so that's great mm-hmm. it, it's just that looking at the impact this is having and my my concern is you know i'm glad you were able to at least acknowledge that at least in some degree it's an addiction and that to me is what concerns me is that not necessarily if you'll do something worse later on but even what's happening right now you know that's my concern is if you're addicted to something, a substance, it is meaning that you're giving power to something or something does have power over you. And also, we always want to wonder what happens if that substance was taken away. And that's where I was mm-hmm. asking about how you would feel without it. And you seem like you think you're okay, but I don't know if you really would feel okay, if life would feel enjoyable enough for you. If, yeah. You know, uh, well, that kind so of thing. Last spring, I actually, every last spring I got my first internship and every summer for my Every, uh, uh, while I'm in school, I plan on getting more internships. And for all of those, they actually drug test. Okay. And marijuana is like one of the main things. So last spring, I actually had to quit for the entire spring semester. It was like a solid three, four months. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I did very easily. And hmm. for this spring, this upcoming spring, I'm probably going to have to again. And um, like, I mean, I, I'm I'm not like nervous. I'm not going to be able to. Yeah, I'm a little bummed that like I'm not going to be able to. And like all my friends are going to be at school, you know, smoking. I'm just going to have to sit there and be like, now nah, like skip me in rotation mm-hmm. but um like it's it's something it's not I, I i do know i'm addicted and like i don't really care about it but it's not to the point where like if i quit i'm gonna like lose it okay like, i i i personally i don't want to and i if if i don't have to i won't but i do understand that if i really need to for something like a job that could you know like help my future risk like damaging my future or benefiting it i, I will quit to you know, ensure that that happens. Okay, and you felt like you were okay without it? Yeah, maybe like the first like two days. It was like I know most 
smokers. My friends will always take like tolerance breaks too, and like it's it's hard for like the first two days, mm-hmm. and then after that you're like, yeah, I don't really I don't really need it anymore. The hardest part is just being around people smoking, and then yeah, like saying no to it. Well, yeah, that's a big thing. I mean, for if you look at something like Alcoholics Anonymous or other groups that talk about trying to become sober, a big thing is sometimes you have to make pretty big lifestyle changes, including especially friends, because they can trigger both being around them and you know they're going to smoke it or drink or whatever. And also the friends themselves will trigger wanting to use because your body will almost start to to go into the mode of using the drug if you're around those same people or those same environments. So yeah, it, it is. it does become difficult. But there was something interesting in what you just said of like, you realize, you and your friends, you'll realize we don't need it. Um, which is not something I would take lightly. And I get that it can make things more fun, um, but realizing you don't need it can allow you to recognize you can have more balance in how much you use. Because to Mm -hmm. me, the daily use becomes a little bit of an issue uh, when it becomes like almost like that does feel like it's a need feeling or, you know, you need it to make life enjoyable to get through the day or to get through this or to get through that. The everyday part of it does concern me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, for the most part, like, on, like, a normal day-to-day basis in the summer or, like, during winter break, I guess, if I have nothing going on, when I, like, wake up, the first thing I think of isn't really, like, oh, man, I got to start smoking. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, like, have, like, a normal day. And then once I finally sit down and do something, whether it be, like, play video games or go to the gym or, like, do something like that, like, something that I just I can do in my free time, I'll, like, assess the situation and see, like, okay, can I smoke? If I can, yeah. I'll, I'll If I can, and I know I can, I'll always do it. But if I can't, like, I'm... I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not going to be annoyed that I can't or something like that. I, I, I'm able to still function okay. not high. Why might you, like when you say you can't, why would you, why would that be the case that you can't? Well, if like my parents are home, though, okay. I got to try and be like sneaky about it or like, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like okay. that. Or like okay. if I'm just like out really. All right. Okay. So it that part of it, it's maybe it's a little bit more comforting. Like I said, for me, the fact that you can acknowledge some level of addiction is something that I'll take seriously. And as I made very clear, and I'll make it clear again, I don't want you to smoke or not smoke because of your mom. You know, I wanted to make sure you're realizing this is a decision you're making. And also to challenge yourself a little bit because we know because of being addicted to it, your body or your mind is going to trick you into thinking you should keep doing it or keep doing it more or do it as much as you're doing. So those are the things I want you to be aware of because at your age, it still can affect your brain the research isn't totally conclusive as far as I've seen of what the effects can be or how much is affecting or all of these types of things. And as you are, I'm sure, very much aware, the marijuana now is much more concentrated than it used to be. So even the effects might be different than it was 20 years ago. So, I mean, it's just something to think about, you know. So uh, I hope you'll you'll take those things in mind and recognize that smoking less might not be a bad idea if you can make it more moderate. Uh, just to reduce whatever the negative effects may be. doesn't mean you have to lose it completely, uh, but moderation might not be a bad route. But that's okay. obviously for you to, to figure out and think about. Yeah, and I guess so before I uh, leave, I, do you mind saying like a word to my mom? So can I, you know, what, do you, what do you have to say to her, I guess? Well, okay, so if she's listening, yeah. <laughs> well, she's listening. I mean, one thing I, I do try to remind parents is, and I'm not saying she's necessarily doing this, is that, you know, she has to recognize she can't control you. Like, she can't make you stop, you know, doing it or obviously make you. I don't think she's going to try to make you smoke, but she can't control you anyway. So I would tr- hope she doesn't try to control you because all that's going to create is a uh, a power battle and dynamic between you mm-hmm. and her. And one, she won't 
make you stop. Two, she'll just damage your relationship with her. So I hope, and this is to all the parents listening, to try not to like say, I'm going to control my kid. Or if I punish him or punish her, or if I do this or I do that, they're going to stop. You're 19 years old. She can't make you do something or make you not do something. She can have a rule like, I don't like you to smoke in the home or something, and that, that could be okay. And it seems like you'll still find a way around that anyways. You basically just shared. Um, so... And that's another reason why I think parents should realize you're not going to be able to control your kids. They'll be able to hide it from you anyway, even if you try to have a rule. And you're not even home most of the year. So I would tell her uh, not to try to control you, but rather try to have conversations with you. I mean, I hope even in hearing me and you, me and you talk, I tried to be more balanced. I didn't say it's like great. and I didn't say you should stop. You have to stop immediately. But just wanted to talk and hear you out so you can explain it. And even in me talking to you in that way, it allowed you to say some things like, you know what, maybe I am addicted to it, or maybe this can be an issue in how it affects my brain development. But if she attacks you, which is what most parents do, then you're going to get very defensive and you're just going to make it seem like it's only good. It has no negative things. Get off my back. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to prove to you that it's not bad. All those types of things come out and it just doesn't really get anywhere. So in her either trying to control you or her trying to um, kind of like, convince you neither one of those things are going to really work and it'll just damage your relationship because you and her are going to see this differently you know i see it all the time in my office the mom or the dad they think marijuana is horrible and the kid thinks it's fine and they both are trying to convince each other and they're killing themselves trying to convince each other of the other you know to see what they see but they're never going to see it the same way but if you try to have more of a conversation at least you can see each other's perspective and come somewhere where there can be conversations. And I'd rather you guys have that. Because even the way you're talking about her, I've worked with a lot of people, this kind of situation, it doesn't seem like you have a really bad relationship with her, at least from what I'm hearing. You know, yeah, yeah, it's just like constant. Like she, it's, it's never a negative argument where we'll both walk away angry. It's just like she'll be like, so you're going to stop smoking or something? Or like, mm -hmm. so you're going to slow down smoking? And she, it's just constant, like, yeah. constant, like, not not bashing, but just like, uh, rep repeating, like, you know, like, yeah. you should stop smoking, you should do this, you should stop this, and I'm like, and I kind of just want to try and make it, like, accept it, I guess. Yeah, you know, and she probably won't accept it to the level you want her to ever, mm -hmm. but I also, yeah, yeah. what I've also seen is sometimes it can become, like, an obsession where it becomes the focus of the relationship, so, like, you know, I don't know if you have this experience, but like you come home and the first thing she does is like she's checking your eyes and trying to smell if you smell like yeah. marijuana, right? Okay, she does that. Yeah, yep. that's a very common thing that I, I see happen. And the, the kid will say, I think like you don't even like see me anymore. You just see me as whether I smoked or not. It's like you're trying to become like a human drug test. And every time you see me, the only thing you're focused on is if I've smoked or not and trying to see if you can figure it out. And the person you obviously you're not going to feel as close to her, or want to see her even as much or talk to her if you feel like that's the only thing she's looking at or looking for and she doesn't see that, okay, maybe you smoke or you don't smoke, but there's so much more about you and so much more going on, but everything becomes obsessed and preoccupied with this one thing. So it also could take away from your relationship in that way too. So that's another reason why I would say, you know, she can talk to you about it. She's already shared her uh, feeling about it. You know, it's not like you don't know if she likes marijuana or not, but you're going to make your choice. I would rather she doesn't damage the relationship any further if there has been damage, and she tries to create conversations with you rather than tries to control you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, again, coming back to you, I really want to make sure you, you're you thinking about you and what you're doing and realize that, you know, it, and if you talk to your friends and they smoke, they're all going to be saying we should, they're not going to want to 
have you stop either or they're not going to want to talk about this stuff. But realizing that if something is having a negative effect, why not maybe limit it? Not You don't have to stop altogether, but why limit it? And we also know these things, the more you do it, the more you're going to want to do it. And it could become even more where you need it when you wake up or you need it when you know, to go to sleep or you need it for this and that. And that, that's what I'm concerned because you did use that word addiction that it can go towards there. You know, these things feel good. That's the reality of it. We're not going to lie and say it doesn't feel good. And because of that, it can be dangerous. It can get more and more part of your life. And, you know, it seems like you're doing great right now. And I'm not saying it has to be a gateway, even about other drugs, you could, marijuana could take over your life, you know, so it doesn't yeah, have to be yeah. another drug. So I want you to really think about that for yourself. And I hope your mom will just be there as someone that you can talk to if you want to. You probably won't want to talk to her too much about this topic, but you guys can have conversations. But overall, more about uh, you taking care of you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. I, so thanks for calling. I, I'm assuming you're back for Thanksgiving. So hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday with the family. Thank you. You too. All right, man. Take care. Bye bye. Okay, we've reached our next commercial break. Studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. You're listening to In Session with Doctor Fadi Dulakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to our next caller, Radio Hamra. You're on the air. Yes, Dr. Yes, hi. Yes, and I know you uh, You were on the air um, talking about your seven-and-a-half-year-old son, and then we had some connection issue, but I'm glad you're back. And before, when we were talking, you said he was also listening, but when I spoke to you during the break, you said he's no longer listening to our conversation. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to refresh people's memories of what you had told me, he's seven-and-a-half in second grade, and you said he's had trouble making friends. You also have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Um, but you said he's had social issues for a while, your son. And recently there was an incident where there was a group of friends having kind of like a club after school meeting. Uh, and one of the kids said that if you, your son's friend brought your son, he couldn't come. So your that friend told your son not to come. And then he was there. I don't know. He had a kind of a feeling of being obviously rejected or left out mm-hmm. that you said left you brokenhearted and you just didn't know what to do. Is that a pretty yeah. good recap? Yeah. Okay. Let me know what, so what else is, is going on um, with him or what is your question? So what happened, I asked um, while I was on hold, I talked to him, I said, okay, is that because you may have insecurity? And he, he said, what, what does that mean? And I explained. Yeah, that might be too yeah. much. I, I wouldn't get it. Insecurity is a pretty, it might be too much of a, too big of a topic for a kid his age. I'm not saying he can't understand it, but anyway, okay. So what did he say? No, anyway, so I, and I explained what does that mean? And he said, yes, sometimes 50, 50. And, uh, that, I don't know why he feels like that because we always tell him that, you know, uh, he's a, such a good boy, such a good friend. It's, it's funny that you don't have that issue when he goes to basketball or park or mm-hmm. outside of the school, he has absolutely no problem finding a friend. Like, if, if I take him to park, like, in five minutes, he, he, we will find a friend to play with. Mm-hmm. It's just that the school that he's having a hard time. Now, when you uh, say play with, though, does he keep those friends, or you mean for just that time that he's at the park? No, sometimes uh, we keep the relationship. Like, they call us, and they say, hey, can you bring your son? Mm-hmm. And we do that. But at school, because he spends a lot of time at school, like, he goes from yeah. 8 to 5, 
I want him to feel loved and not be rejected from his friend's side too, you know? Sure. Because th- th- that's, that's not a healthy environment. As a matter of fact, I noticed lately that he's throwing some pics. And mm. I didn't know where it was that coming from. And then recently when I talked to him, he said that, well, mom, no one is my friend. No one loves me. And um, he told me this before a few times. I mean, in the last year he told me the same thing. And I, even in public school, he was telling the same thing. Okay. He was saying the and same thing, that it's hard for him to make friends or hard for him to get get friends at school, basically? I, I think so. I don't know if it's hard for him to begin to find a friend. Mm-hmm. And maybe an also hard time to keep the friend. Yeah, you know? okay. But he's always invited to birthday parties. I take him every single birthday party he's invited because I want him to be connected. I sign him up to different um, uh, classes so he can, you know, be connected more to the school and all that. But he's just going towards the first graders. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it seems like he's a little bit um, maybe intimidated. He might be going to the first graders because it's easier. Or, uh, I told him why you're going to first graders. He said because the second graders don't love me. They don't mm. like to be friends with me. It okay. does. How is he like physically? Is he small, big? No, he's like he's very handsome and he's okay. average. Like he's uh-huh. not small. He's not too big. He's tall, but he's not as crazy tall. You okay. Know, obviously. Yeah. Well, so there's something he's feeling some level of. Um, discouragement or, and, and what whatever yeah. else. But what I, one thing I'd also talk about, we, you know, obviously we were talking about him, but one thing in just hearing you talk is that we have to make sure you get your own feelings um, managed about him. Because I, I get it, he's your son, and even when you told me the story, I, I felt some sadness in hearing him getting rejected. But mm-hmm. if, if it's affecting you too much, if you get too... Um, involved emotionally it's going to make it harder for you to be there for him and you're going to put even more pressure on him or the situation so no that's true because um uh in my childhood i never had a friend like i had few friends and that stayed in a short time i have been always a lonely girl mm. so i i i felt that yeah. I don't want him to live that life. And and that's and this is I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because this is where it's so interesting. Parenting, there's obviously so many techniques and principles and things that are good to learn. But then another huge part of it is realizing that our own unhealed pain from our mm-hmm. childhood can mm-hmm. definitely have huge impacts in how we parent our own kids. So because mm-hmm. you have your own sadness about being rejected or having a hard time making friends in school mm-hmm. when you hear your son's stories those wounds get opened up that's true yeah and so it will be important for you even and again you called about your son but going to your own therapy about healing this pain because what's going to happen is we can't really heal someone's pain if our own wound is open in that same way it's yeah. hard to be there for someone either we will avoid it, so we'll downplay mm-hmm. the pain, because if I can't touch my own pain because I don't want it to be there, when you bring up yours, I'm going to either minimize it, dismiss it, say, oh, you shouldn't be sad about that, you shouldn't care, or mm-hmm. I'm going to get too emotional about it myself. It's going to become a disaster, a crisis when you bring it up. And it seems like maybe you're more on that end, where it brings up all these feelings. 
that you then become almost overwhelmed or too emotional, and that's going to actually make it even harder for your son. Well, um, it, it definitely opens up my, my problem. However, I'm trying to control that, and I'm just trying to focus on him, how to help him. Well, and that's good, but again, it's not really, you can only to an extent. If yes, So I get it. It's good to manage it, but I'm saying if I were you, I think everyone should go to therapy. I go to therapy. No, I, I think it's great. What's that? No, I definitely agree with you okay. on that. Okay, good. Um, so for my son, what I've done, I called, um, um, well, I texted the teacher, and I said, this is what you're facing. How can you help? And he said, oh, well, I'm going to talk to the class. And what, what, she, what she did is so funny. She went to school to the class and say, hey, some of your parents are calling me, telling me that you guys don't have a friend. From now on, you gave me to play with a new person. So what happened was he was only one friend, and that friend went away from him. He said, because our teacher is not allowing us to, to play with the same friend, so I'm going to find different friends. And he went to ask several kids, can I play with you guys? And they said, no, we already have a friend. Mm-hmm. And so he ended up playing by himself. Mm-hmm. or watching, you know, um, at the school. And I texted the teacher again. I said, this didn't work. I knew it's not going to work because that's not a way to go. And um, and he said, oh, well, I'm going to talk to the counselor. And, of course, uh, I'm not sure if she did or not. Mm-hmm. But um, I was thinking maybe I should just remove him from, the, from that school because the school that he's going, they're all, like, they're very, very rich people. Mm-hmm. They go to each other's house. They... Um, you know, they have all this um, playtime and all that, all, all that stuff. I can't have that. I know I need to have, but I can't have that because of, uh, well, first of all, I'm not as rich as they are. And second of all, um, I'm extremely busy with the school, with my school and with my work, which I will full-time as well. Well, um, here's, you know, here's something I'm hearing in, in what you've already shared. Yeah. I asked him, if you, if, do you want me to change your school? And he says, no, I love my school. I yeah. really does love his okay, school. Okay, then I wouldn't change his school. But what I was just about to say is I feel like what you're doing is you find him in these situations you don't like, and your first reaction is remove him from the situation. And what you actually have to do is you have to help him face the situation. Yeah. So it was before you said you already moved schools, uh, you know, and this is something I see with a lot of parents. Oh, my kid's having a problem with the teacher, so we switch schools. No. Have, have them talk to that teacher. So, and even, you know, the teacher can't solve this problem. I know he or she tried and it maybe backfired. It didn't work. But, you know, you can't say, hey, Johnny, you have to be friends with Timmy. It doesn't work. That's not yeah. how friendships work. And even to make it can make the kid feel even worse that the teacher is forcing you to be my friend. So yeah. there, there isn't a solution to just say, I'm going to call the teacher and it's going to get fixed. And this is what I'm saying. It might go back to because... It's painful for you, too, because it triggers your own feelings that you feel like it's a crisis that has to be immediately solved right now. Yeah. And I'm not saying ignore it. And I'm not saying don't care. Absolutely. Show a lot of empathy to your son that it's painful, that it can hurt. And I I know you don't like that. But if we make it that this is a huge crisis that has to be solved, again, we put too much pressure on the situation. And actually, usually it makes it worse. So your son says he loves his school. I wouldn't even think about switching his school. Mm Mm-hmm. He doesn't like it. Okay, this is going to be uncomfortable. 
kids can go through feeling rejected, not having friends. These things happen and they can turn out okay. So I want you to have that big picture approach. I always tell parents, you have to be able to be in the moment, of course, to be mindful, be connected to your child. But you as the parent have the big picture approach too. Because sometimes I work with kids, uh, parents of kids who have like a three-year-old and they say, oh my gosh, my kid bit this other kid in preschool and they get scared. And they, you know, I tell them, look, there's no 25-year-olds that go around biting people. Don't worry about your kid biting people for the rest of their life. Deal with the situation. But remember, this is sometimes things that kids do. So your child is doing with some social rejection, doesn't feel good. Can it have impact in his life? Yes. We're trying to minimize that and work with him. But we don't want to get too freaked out and try to get the whole school and everyone involved in a way that actually might make your kid feel worse. And that's why even when you called and he was listening to our conversation, my concern was him hearing this as, okay, your son is a problem. Your son is bad. Your son is not good enough in some way. And you have to call me to fix it because he's not okay. So I don't want him to get that message that he's broken or something is wrong because if anything, that's just going to contribute to any insecurity he does have about making friends. We don't want to make him feel like something is wrong with him. So if he's dealing with some issues making friends at school, okay, we want to be there for him. We want to support him. And it's good that he does other things like basketball and other places where he makes friends. So he's having those connections. But yes, you're right. He's at school the most. And we want him to have friends there also. But we got to work with him slowly and see what's going on. Is Are there things he is doing that's making it hard for him to make friends? Does he have some issues with social skills, let's look at what's happening. But we can't just say, hey, teacher, fix this problem. It so doesn't one work. One of the reasons I called the teacher, because I'm not there to see, so I want, and I, I asked the teacher too, I said, can you please pay attention, and if you can, um, and let's sometimes investigate to see if why kids are not interested to play with him. If there is something that he does, I want to fix that. So... Okay. And well, I haven't just been responding yet from the teacher. Okay. Well, I mean, that I could, that's maybe not a bad idea to understand what's going on and, you know, to fix. I wouldn't jump just to fix. Of course, you want to make the situation better, but maybe your son is different in a certain way. That doesn't mean it can't get help, but it could be who he is to some degree. So we do want to address the situation. But again, I don't want to make your, make your son feel like he's a problem that has to be fixed. I always tell him, I said, hey, you're not a problem. You, you're a good person. You're friendly. You're kind. Um, because, because he is. I'm not just telling mm-hmm. him because I want him to feel better. Because he is a very kind boy. Uh, I tell him all this. And I, and, I, and I ask one time, how do you feel about yourself? Explain me how you are, what you are. And he gave me all the positive answers. Like he said, I'm a good boy, I do this, I get good grades, I do this. And I don't even emphasize on the grade things. I emphasize what he's doing good at school, mm-hmm. like how many people you helped, all that stuff. Yeah. But we also have to be aware that he knows what you want to hear. And even in hearing you talk and how you talk, there is a pressure okay. and an anxiety. What's that? Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. He tells the stuff that I want to hear. Yeah. So I want you to be aware that, you know, your interrogation, and I know that's a strong word, but almost it it comes off that way, is not Mm -hmm. necessarily going to get you the answers you want anyway, and it might just put more pressure on him again. So, you know, even like that insecurity question, he's not really going to get it, and he doesn't really know how to answer it, and maybe he did, but I, I wouldn't try to get to this point that I have to get the answer from out of him. 
that it's something within him. And once he tells me, I'm just going to fix it. And that's why, again, I get this feeling that the, you get so overwhelmed by this because of maybe your own past and your own anxieties that you're dealing with that you're putting too much pressure on your son and that's not going to make it easier. Making friends is something that involves being comfortable, being yourself, like letting yourself get to know someone. But if you're putting more pressure on, if you're forcing it, it doesn't work. And so if you keep putting pressure on him and he thinks every day I have to go to school and make friends, or if as soon as he gets in the car, you ask him, how was your school day? Did you make friends? Did you talk to this kid? Did you talk to that kid? You're going to put more pressure on him in this situation. Okay. So mm -hmm. that that's my concern is that you're going to put make this worse. And again, the theme I heard from you was this remove him from the pain. And if anything, that's just going to teach him that he can't handle the situations rather than, okay, you're having a hard time making friends. And another big thing is make sure you show him empathy. So because I feel like you're so preoccupied with the solving, I want you to make sure you're not losing the empathy piece of first asking him how he feels and showing him you can understand that it didn't feel good. A lot of parents, because they can't tolerate the kid's negative feeling, they go quickly into solving mode. Actually, adults do this too. You see it even in romantic relationships, adult relationships. Someone mm -hmm. says they're sad, and rather than hearing the person out, they start judging their sadness or telling them they shouldn't be sad or trying to fix the problem. And always I say empathy first. Connect first, and then there will be a chance to explore advice or explore opportunities to make the situation better. But make sure your son feels like you get him that it was sad or he got sad when the kids said this or did that. Okay, so I so I think the question, I, I totally understood what you said, but I think my question is how can I help him in this process? Mm -hmm. Because I don't want him to be rejected. Yeah, and but we have to accept that he might. You have to accept that he might get rejected. But yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. One more thing that uh, he does, like he... He's developing anxiety of losing friends. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, he told the, the guy that if I want to be here, and I, the way that he was telling me, it was just, like, so painful to hear. And um, he, was telling, he told the guy that, hey, I want to stay, and blah, blah, blah. And the friend said, hey, if you stay, I'm not going to be your friend. And then he asked him again, okay, if I uh, don't stay, and if I go away, are you going to be my friend? Like, he was begging mm. him to be his friend, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Like, that anxiety of keeping that one friend that he has. Yeah. Like, I just, and I that's, right, and that's why, so I would say we want to make sure we don't contribute to that anxiety by putting more pressure on him. So, if he feels like, and we want to show him that, you know, you, you're, as you it seems like you do let him know you're great the way you are and some people like to be friends with some people and they don't want to be friends with everyone and that's okay we try to be nice to everyone but we don't have to be friends with everyone and so we want to be friends with people who like us the way we are but if we make the goal you have to have a friend by today i'm not saying you say it that way but if you put that kind of pressure on him then of course he's going to feel this pressure to just force any kind of friendship or be whatever he has to be to make someone his friend. We don't want to put that pressure on him. So that's why I'm saying I want you to uh, be there for him. Don't minimize his feelings, but don't make this situation even more of a crisis because that's going to put more pressure on him, which one, will make it mm -hmm. harder for him to make friends, and two, will make him feel worse about himself, that look how I'm yeah. making mommy feel that I can't make friends. So he's already going through enough. He doesn't have to try to deal with your feelings. You have to. That's why I'm saying you have to manage yeah. your feelings because you're just going to put more pressure on him, and then he's going to feel even more 
uh, like he has to do something and that he's letting you down and that he's not good enough and all those those things that will come with it. So that's why I'm saying I get that you don't like to hear uh, your son getting rejected and it, it is something serious, but you have to try to diffuse some of your own feelings. And again, it's okay. I remember being a kid and feeling rejected sometimes and being made fun of or other things happen and you can turn out okay. We could have an effect on people, but it's okay. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world. And if we make it a crisis where we have to switch a school instantly, you switch a school, he's going to be the new kid and it's going to be hard to make friends again. And if he goes in with that insecurity, he actually might have an even a harder time and he might be even more alone. So if he's saying he loves his school, I definitely wouldn't change his school. And I want you to keep that, that mindset in mind because I heard it from you a few times of when he faces challenges, when he faces difficulties, rather than saying, okay, he doesn't like how it feels, take him away. You help him face it. Because I think parents, I sometimes talk about the pain prevention philosophy of parenting that a lot of parents have, which is if my kid doesn't like something, I take that thing away instantly. He doesn't like the teacher, new school. Doesn't like that kid, new class. Doesn't like this, we take it away. And what we want to do is actually show them you don't like something. Sometimes you face it and realize it's not that bad. You don't like your teacher. We can actually go talk to your teacher and have a meeting and you can make things better between you and your teacher. And that will show you that you can face things, that things aren't scary, that you can have disagreements and you can resolve things and you can face them. So your job isn't to make sure your son feels no pain. That will actually hurt him in the long run because it won't let him grow. We have to actually encourage him to face the pain. See, it's actually not that scary. It might not feel good, but it's okay. You're not throwing him into the fire without caring, but you're encouraging him to face those things to show him he can face more than he can. But I get that feeling in how you're talking, which a lot of parents have, is that when you see him in any kind of pain or discomfort, you want to just instantly remove it. And that's going to hurt him in the long run, especially as he gets older. Mm -hmm. So we want to help him face what's going on. We want to see what's happening. Yeah, I'm glad you asked the teacher because, you know, sometimes as parents, you can say, oh, my kid's amazing. Everyone should want to be their friend. But sometimes kids do things that make it hard for them to make friends. So we want to know, ask the teacher what's going on. And even if we find out, okay, he does this, we don't want to quickly jump on him and say, why do you do this? You shouldn't talk this way to kids or do this or do that. We want to try to understand where it's coming from and work with him. So think of this as a process. Don't think of this as something you're going to solve this week or next week. It's something that's going to take some time. Maybe your son does have some issues socially that he's going to face and have to deal with, but it's more of a bigger picture issue than something that we're going to fix by, you know, forcing someone to be his friend tomorrow or forcing something to happen today. We're, we're, you have to think of this a little bit more bigger picture. So, well, I totally understand. So what I understood from you is just that I have to educate myself how to deal with my problems and go through the therapy, and then I'd I be able to help him. Yeah, and they're both going to happen at the same time, but absolutely managing your own feelings is going to be critical. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one more thing, if you have a time. Um, so do you have, like... Well, we time? have to actually go to a commercial break. Is it more about your son? Yeah. Okay, just hang online. We'll talk after the break, Okay. Okay. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with a caller. Let's go back to her now. Radio Hamra, are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay. So yeah. you were talking about, yeah, you said you had some more. We were talking about your son, seven and a half, but I didn't want to, to end the conversation. Yeah, yeah. You had another question. Go ahead. My husband and I were thinking maybe um, he has low self-confidence, and uh, because he's not, he, sometimes his teacher complains that 
he she has to redirect him and um, um, he's having a problem focusing and all that stuff mm-hmm. um, so my husband and I um, as a matter of fact I took the I took him to take the test uh, for ADHD and it came positive okay however um, I want well I decided to take him to second doctor to evaluate him again but I didn't get a chance but that's gonna be in the process very soon uh, but uh, meanwhile what my husband and I did because I read a lot that uh, like um, uh, to uh, like involving kids in um, uh, like um, karate that, that type of um, um, stuff uh, may increase their um, focus and you know give them more self-confidence all that stuff so um, and that's what we did, and he loves it. Great. He absolutely loves it. And uh, just today, he told me that he tried to kick someone, mm-hmm. and I said, why? He said, because she was bothering me, so I was trying to defend myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, that's not for school. You, you can't do that. You're not supposed to use that. That's when you learn that skill, it's only... When you grow up, if you come to a situation that you need to defend yourself, you will. That's to give your last choice, blah, 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 mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that we should continue sending him because I don't want him to act like that. As a matter of fact, we just sent him to, to a vet. It's not a long time. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's, it, it's kind of, there's something sweet about his idea of self-defense. He felt maybe emotionally attacked, and so he physically attacked back, it seems like, right? So he was saying the girl was bothering him. Was she physically bothering him, or just he didn't like what she was saying or doing? I think um, I think he, they blamed him that he said a very bad word, and he was trying to defend himself. I said, did you actually kick the girl? And she said, no, I didn't. I just scared him, scared her. Okay. I'm like, but, okay, but you're not supposed and and then we then continue why and then he told me well that girl even was bothering my cousin, so I was trying to protect my cousin too. I'm like Okay. So I actually usually like in um like the martial arts, the mentality or the philosophy is as you kind of in a way said, it's about self defense. It's not about hurting, it's about protecting. So it's not about I want to be able to beat people up and hurt people. It said, I want to be able to defend myself or someone else when it gets to that situation. Now, maybe at seven and a half, he's still trying to figure out what that means because I think yeah. he felt emotionally attacked, not physically attacked. And so he retaliated physically. But I think there's more you can talk to him about that. One thing I'd be careful is the question why. Of course, we have to sometimes ask it. But a lot of times it can come off very judgmental. It's like, why? What? What are you? You know, why did you do that? You did something really oh, yeah, bad. And first you told me, Mom, I'm gonna tell you something, but don't ask me why. <laughs> yeah, because maybe you ask that question a lot, and you know, I get that you want to try to understand him, but usually why comes with a judgment of what you did is really wrong or bad, yeah. and that's why I'm asking yeah. you. So we try to want, we want to understand what happened. And I necessarily wouldn't take him out of karate unless we see that it's making him too aggressive. One thing though. Going back, though, you said he tested positively, or he, I'm assuming you maybe took the TOVA test and yeah. for ADHD. I wouldn't, it, it seems like you want to ignore that and say we're going to fix it with karate. No, I don't want to ignore it, but uh, what happens, because I read a lot about this ADHD, 
And I see that like he has very minimum sign for ADHD. And I don't want to do any uh, biofeedback stuff like that unless he, he really, really needs it. Well, why not biofeedback? There really aren't side effects. I don't know. I don't want him to feel that there's something wrong with him. Well, I, and I agree with that. And I don't want to make him feel like something is wrong with him. But even this could relate to social issues. I would take him to see... You, I know you wanted to go to a second opinion, and I wouldn't want you just to go to a second opinion to disprove the first opinion because you didn't like it. But I don't yeah. mind you going to see someone else because let's see what's going on with him. Because even sometimes a kid with ADHD, for example, has issues with impulse control. So they can do things that the other kids don't like. Like even in this situation, kicking the girl or being aggressive with the girl, it could be related to the ADHD and it can make, harder for, make it harder for him to make friends. So... I wouldn't, you know, I want us to, this could be part of what's going on that he, the ADHD could affect him or, you know, someone with ADHD might act out in class in certain ways that other kids don't like. And so it might make other kids look at him a certain way because they don't like what he's doing. Or when he's with them, he might have a hard time focusing in a certain way that it's harder for him to play. Uh, uh, lots of things. So I would definitely take that seriously and not avoid treatment because you don't want him to think it's a problem. I wouldn't explain it to him as like you have this big problem, but that this can help you, you know, in a way you present it to him in a way that it can help you with this thing. Not because you're a problem, make it easier for you to do this and people think in different ways or people have different things going on. So we don't make him feel bad, but I wouldn't want you, for example, you know, let's say he has some bad allergy and we say we don't want him to feel different. So we just give him the food that makes him allergic because we don't want to make him feel like a problem. So mm -hmm. if he has an issue avoiding helping him, is going to hurt him much more than in some way presenting to him that he needs the help or that the help can benefit him in a way that won't make him, doesn't mean he's going to have to feel bad about that. So, and again, it might be leading to some of the social issues or other things he's dealing with. So I would, I would definitely make sure you take that seriously, get a, get another evaluation if you'd like to really know what's going on, but we don't want to ignore that. And coming back to the issue of the karate, we can talk to him about what this means. And even you can talk to his instructor, not in a way of, oh, you know, my son did a bad thing, but in trying to understand the principles and the philosophies of what they're doing, which is what it means to protect yourself and that we don't go attack someone. Or even if we don't like what someone is doing, it doesn't mean we attack them. As you said, it's used as a very, very, very last resort when it's really needed, not just because we don't like something. So I, I necessarily wouldn't pull him out instantly from karate I would maybe see if there's a lesson to be learned there about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, right. I don't know. Like, um, his teacher is telling me that he's very respectful. He okay. participates, like, willingly in all activities. And uh, he's able to, he, she wrote a note for me that he's able to work independently most of the time. The only problem that uh, she recommended is. That um, like he is having a hard time to focus in the class and uh, following oral given direction that yep. needs to be redirected many times. And as I mean, you're almost like stating the symptoms of ADHD. Those are like okay. two of them. Is you that know? right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's why I'm saying we we want to take that seriously, and it could have effects even okay. socially. So. It, it, those that these this is things we want to keep in mind um it could be having that effect so you, you're saying you want to help him socially we want to make sure he's doing okay in all aspects because they can't affect each other and so i would take mm -hmm. that very seriously mm -hmm. so I, I don't know how 
this biofeedback will help socially. I just don't understand the well, concept. Not, well, it's not necessarily the biofeedback specifically will help, but he might even need medication. But what I'm saying is the ADHD can make him... Uh, it can make a child more impulsive, or if there's a hyperactivity, maybe he can be too hyper and the other kids are not comfortable around him. You mentioned even the tics, so maybe there's something going on. You know, so I would take all of this very seriously. The tics, it can become worse over time. So we don't want to ignore it and just hope it goes away. And we don't want him to have to experience that. He's clearly dealing with some anxiety or some anger, something is going on, and, and maybe a hyperactivity. So absolutely, I would go uh, get him that help. And I wouldn't think of them that if it doesn't help him socially, we shouldn't do it. It could also be helping him academically, and we want to really know what's going on. So I would absolutely take him for that second opinion and really make sure you don't neglect or ignore this aspect of what he's going through. No, no, I will definitely not ignore it. It's just that I've been extremely busy. Okay. Busy, um, is, busy is a good excuse, though. I'm not going to let you off the hook. If it's that serious, we have to take it seriously. No, 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 no. I definitely, I will take care of it. Yes. But I was wondering, do I need to take him to a therapy at the same time? Well, I would have him get, a, you know, if you want to go through another evaluation first, he could benefit from play therapy at his age, at the age of seven and a half. It might be helpful for him. And even that's somewhere where they can explore issues, emotional issues, social issues. So I'm, I, I would be very much in favor of that if, if you feel like, um, based on the evaluation that you guys get and he might be open to that, it can be very good for him. I, I would be, a, uh, I think that would be a good idea to consider I'm that. I'm sorry, you mentioned play therapy? Yes. No, yeah. I never Usually at, for a kid his age, you're not going to do talk therapy. It's possible sometimes there'll be some combination, but it's usually more play. So I say that so you realize you might drop him off at therapy and if he comes back, he says, oh yeah, we played with cars the whole time. And you're like, wait, how is that therapy? But play therapy... Um, is is through the play that they do the therapy. So, and it can be very helpful, and it's usually what you do with a child his age. So I just want you to be ready for that. Do you do that? Or I do play. I do some play therapy. Yes, um, but it's it's something you want to you know find someone uh, around him or around wherever you guys live. I do have to wrap up the show anyway, but I would look into that for him because it can help him dealing with the emotions and also even socially can help be helpful so i hope you'll get him that help and again for yourself realize the intensity of how you're responding to him and also remember it's okay for him to have some pain we always are going to care and try to make it better but he's okay we don't have to make everything a crisis he's going to go through some hard times that's all right and if we put too much pressure on it we actually make it even harder for him but thanks for your call thank you so much sure. for your my pleasure have a good day Bye-bye. All right, we've reached the end of today's show. For everyone in the United States celebrating tomorrow, happy Thanksgiving. Hope you get to enjoy your families. And uh, I had Amir here at the beginning and Afar Huda here to end the show to thank you to both of them and all the callers and listeners. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalakwi. Have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.